Good morning, and uh, thank you for uh, inviting me back. Um, Dan was very um, nicely uh, talking about my, my preaching, but I just want to say to um, all preachers who have to run a church, all pastors who have to speak, how difficult it is to have 52 preachers that you've got every single year and that you've got to form them in a very short period of time for that Sunday service. I've had weeks to distill this and I'm absolutely delighted to be invited here to King's Church. I just want to take a few minutes uh, before um, I uh, speak to just thank you as a church um, from the bottom of my heart for all that you um, do for us. You know, some churches get us and um, I guess some churches have yet to hear about us. But I really feel that the, the, the word of Safe Family has been planted here. And you've responded in such an amazing way, and, and so often. Um, and um, we've seen it where at Christmas time you provide us with hampers. that aren't just hampers. They're just not boxes filled with bits and pieces. They really are hampers that when I first saw them, apart from crying, when I first saw them, I thought, oh, my goodness, I'd love to get a hamper like this. This is an amazing hamper. And then they had little cards and with, with, uh, with uh, monetary gifts so that people go buy some food um, at the local store. You've just given us recently um, a thousand pounds of um, money vouchers that we can give to families. Sometimes we go into a family's houses, people like Karis, amazing Karis. We'll go into someone's house and they'll see someone on the floor. And, and, and this person um, in one of the situations ha was, was crying, was weeping because she had nothing left inside the house. She had a, a baby who had run out of baby food. She had uh, children who were hungry and had no food, and she was down to her third nappy. Now, you know, in our country, this should not be the case. And that family would have gone hungry for the whole weekend had we not had some vouchers. And we could run off to the store, pick up the nappies and some of the personal items that she needed as a woman, the food that the children needed, the baby milk, and we could bless a family. So I want to say thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for all that you do and all that you mean to us. It has literally been a lifeline to us. Because when we go there and we don't have it, if we see a family in need, we will give it. It will give it out of our own pockets but their pockets are only a certain size. And so we just delight when we see the church come around us because this is, this is your work. This is our work together as Christians. You know, some people say to me, um, you seem to have a hunger for the local church. I have a passion for the local church. I want to see the church shine and thrive because the real truth is, say families may not be here in a few years' time. Maybe we can't get the funding that it takes for us to stay in, in, in the business of helping people. But the local church will always be here. Jesus said, I will build my church. So I spend my time now out with the local church to make the local church thrive. So I just want to say, we're going to set up some information nights, some nights to tell you a little bit about what Safe Families does. We'd love you to attend. It's going to be a Zoom call. It'll be a time when you can hear the general view of what we do. Maybe we can break you out into some uh, breakout rooms. You can ask individual questions. You know, how much time does it take? You know, what kind of skill set do I need? Do I have to be a superhero? Um, and, and we take, we literally, if, we, if you have a heart to serve, you can become a safe family volunteer. 
If you say, well, you know, I can't really talk to anyone, but I'm great at putting up shelves. We love you. We'll have you put up shelves or do whatever. If all you want to do is drive some food to someone's home, we'll, we would we'd be glad for that. Whatever your might is, be it the widow's might or be it the strength of your arm, we really genuinely want to capture that and to give it to Christ. So I want to thank you for all that you do for us, the, the blessing that you are to us. Your name is known in the corridors of heaven and is known in, in the corridors of safe families. So we thank you, one and all. God bless you. I want to talk today on this theme of iron sharpeneth iron, on that God has an amazing plan. He has a wonderful plan for you and for me. And I don't know about you, but the last five months has been very difficult for me. Difficult because of separation from my children. Difficult because I've been separated from my church. And I'm just delighted to be able to say that right in the midst of COVID-19, God is in control. God is in control. He has a plan. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, the theme verse for this morning is, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. Whenever you see the words for this reason, it always makes you have to go back to look at the context. And when we look at the context of chapter 3, we see how Paul is unfolding to the church the amazing revelation that the Gentiles were going to be also gathered into the family of God. I will give you as homework as a church to go this week and look at Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3 and get a full context of just what Paul was doing. But you know, God has a plan. We have to know that. And God's plan will come to pass, irrespective of COVID-19 or any other disease. It will come to pass. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. This revelation in Ephesians was given to Paul, first of all, when he was describing it in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 10, verse 12, he says, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. The Lord, the same Lord of all, and he richly blesses all who call upon his name. Let me read that again. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, and richly blesses all who call upon his name. For those who call upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. God always has a plan. He's way ahead of us. And Israel were called through Abraham to be God's people, and God had a real desire to set his love upon people and for people to love him deeply. But Jeremiah 2.13 says, For my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cistern, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So God was this amazing fountain, and he said, Come, come, dive with me. Come and be a part of me. But instead, what Israel did was they hewed out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns. They form God into a box, and God's not for being put into a box. So, and Jesus came into the world to uh, show his goodness. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus said he didn't come to judge the world. Instead, he came to save the world. And Jesus came to offer us life and to bring us back to our Father God. 
and the people were drawn by his words and they were drawn by his power. Jesus showed them an experience of who God was. And you remember throughout the whole time when Jesus was here on earth, he wanted to call Israel back, but Israel were not for being called back. And he found such tremendous resistance in the Pharisees who at all times put him down. He talked about the Pharisees and he would say, you're, you're whited sepulchers, you're, you're, you're people who say one thing, but you do something else. And he said, don't follow them. You can follow the words, but don't follow them. And here a Pharisee of the Pharisees of the tribe of Benjamin, one called Saul, was, being, was, was, was someone who was speaking out more and more. And as they took Jesus and they took him to the cross, and as they wrongly accused him and beat him and crucified him, the Pharisees must have been thrilled. All those who were in opposition to him must have been delighted to watch Jesus on a cross and writhing with pain. And finally, it was over. But God has a plan. And it's only over when God says it's over. And Jesus was on the cross, and he said, it is finished. Everything that he came to accomplish was finished. Three days later, Jesus rises from the dead, and, and a few days after that, he ascends up onto the Father's throne to be at the right hand of his Father. And from then on, we see in the book of Acts that the church is birthed, and suddenly people who have believed in Jesus Christ are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they suddenly come alive. They not only speak the words that Jesus spoke, but they do the works that Jesus did. And suddenly, Saul, it says here in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 to 3, on the day of, of great persecution, when it broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged them off, both men and women, and put them in prison. This is such an ungodly man. And yet on his way to Damascus, he meets the Lord Jesus Christ, and Christ appears to him, and he falls off his, his horse, and he is blind, and for three days he has that time of silence, a time to think, a time to ponder, a time to wonder. And eventually he gives his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Call Paul, Saul becomes Paul, and Jesus gives him another name. Colossians 1.26, the mystery, he speaks, that has been hidden for the ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. He talks about a mystery. And here in, Coloss in, in Ephesians chapter 3, he's talking about a mystery that, uh, that has been hidden for all time. In 1 Corinthians 2, 7 and 8, it says, no, the wisdom we speak is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. Wow! What a statement! What a statement that this revelation contains a secret. This revelation shows that had Satan and his cohorts known that they, that, that they should not crucify Christ, they would never have done it. 
if they had ever known the revelation that Christ was about to be distributed throughout the whole church, they would never have crucified Christ. They would have rather had one Christ and dealt, tried to deal with him than have thousands and hundreds of thousands of Christs throughout the world. This is the great mystery that he's unveiling. And here when we find the introduction of the family of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Remember that at times you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of promise, without hope and without God in this world. That's where we were. As people who didn't know Jesus, we had no hope, and we were without God. And Christ came to give us access, a heavenly access into the family of God, to give us hope and a future, it said in Jeremiah 2.13. And he handpicked each of us. We were adopted children, and adopted children are handpicked. They're chosen, and he handpicked each and every one of us, and he drew us into his family. Isn't that beautiful? I don't know what adoption feels like. I don't know what adoption looks like because I was born into a family. I had no choice. I was just born. That was mom. That was dad. That's, that's who I got. They got me. But an adopted family is they go out and they handpick the child and they bring them in. I didn't know about adoptions. I went to adoption.com, uh, and I just thought I'll have a look and see what the qualities are of what it means to belong to a family, what it takes for an adopted child to feel when he comes into a family that is already there. It gives eight qualities. One is, the first quality is grace. Don't we all need that? Grace that everyone deserves. The next is forgiveness. This is what you looked for, by the way, when you came into this church. When you chose this church, having passed 30 other churches, this is what you're looking for. You looked for grace, that they would accept you just the way you are, that they would forgive you and continue to forgive you that they would be loyal even when the going gets tough, that they would respect you, that they would support you, that they would trust you, which is the foundation of every good relationship, that we could be vulnerable there, that this is a place of vulnerability. This is a place where, as Dan said, it's, it's iron that's sharper than iron. It's where you come and you can just be you, with a family that love you just the way you are. And it's a place where unconditional love is here in bucket loads, just bucket loads. That's what it takes to feel a belonging in a family, and that's why you chose this church. Families thrive because of belonging. Families just love to feel, I belong here. I come in here, and I can find my slippers. I come in here, and I just know this is my family all around me. I don't have to act. I don't have to feel weird. I don't have to feel lonely. I feel I belong here. And I believe the church is a place where we grow in our knowledge of the Word. I believe the church is a place where we we get to fellowship fully. I believe that the church is an incubator for young believers. And I believe it's a place where we can give our gift to those who are learning what it means to grow up in Christ. In Psalm 68, verses 5 and 6, it says, To hold 
this is what we're to hold on to, that God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. This is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoners with singing. And I miss church, I'll be honest with you. That's one of the things I really do. I miss singing. I'm a worship leader. I've led worship for 30 years. You know, and to come to church and not sing is difficult, but it's possible. I'll, make, I'll find a way because I, I want to be here with the family of God. Our final point is that God gives us a, a, a name. He gives us an identity. And everyone in heaven is under the name of God. When we pray, our Father, who art, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As children, we belong to our Father. Our names are written in the book of life in heaven. Isn't that great to know? That not only is our name written in the book of life in heaven, but we have a name here on earth. We are Christians. We're Christians. We have Christ's name. It's Christ in us. That's what Paul declares in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. In Ephesians 3, 17, it says that Christ may make his home in our hearts through faith, Ephesians 3, 17. And in Galatians 4, 19, he says, My children, with whom I travail again in birth until Christ is formed in you. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me, the same works that I have done, even greater works, shall he do, because I go to be with my Father, he said in John 4. And I just think that's an amazing thing, that we have the ability to be able to connect with the resident Christ who's within us. Each tribe in Israel had a name, and each tribe had a banner, and, and even had a stone, a precious stone, on which the, the high priest had on his breastplate. Twelve different stones, twelve different tribes it represented. And Israel belonged to God, and he showed it in every way. You know, he would even give them a cloud to cover them in the heat of day, that when they traveled through the wilderness, he covered them, he, he overshadowed them. And at nighttime, for those of you who have children, he, he gave us a nightlight that we'd just, we'd just be able to look up there and say, he's present, he's with us. I can sleep confidently tonight because I can see him in the sky. What a God. Our true identity is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has given us a name and an identity. He's given us a stone. He says that he's the rock of our salvation. His spirit is at work within us, and our, the banner over us, according to Song of Solomon, is love. As church... We come to meet here, whether online or whether we can come back physically and do it, not just to be taught a sense of belonging, but to sharpen our sword. Why? Because out there, there's a fight going on. Up there, there's a spiritual war. There's still battles. Out there, there are people who've never known what it means to belong, never known what it means to come inside a church and feel what family feels like. And they don't know about church because we say, for the most part, inside our box. And sometimes we're never seen. Jesus disappeared. He went up there to be with his Father, that he could reappear in us. Isn't that amazing? He disappeared so he could reappear in us. He's a baby waiting to be formed 
by the renewing of our mind, according to, Roman, to uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He wants to take, take residency in us. He wants to form himself in us, that every thought as it's brought captive to Christ will finally get the mind of Christ. When we get the mind of Christ, we have the compassion of Christ. When we have the compassion of Christ, we can't stay inside the container. Christ has got to get out. He's got to be experienced. Our faith has to find form. And it's more than words. His desire is to, re- to release us as the church to a broken world, to open up blinded eyes, to see and to know Jesus. He wants us to experience the power to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. And as we do this, as we do this, as we do this, Jesus says he will build his church. Now, great to know, as we go out, they come in. But as we just come in, we keep them out. It's dreadful. We have to find a way to come in, to hear what we need to hear, to sharpen our iron, to to get excited about what we're going to do, because we're going to go out and be Christ to this world. It's not religion that we seek. It's a true, authentic relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's in there. He's at work within us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Let him work. Let him do the work. Richard Rohr offered his insight just recently when he was asked the question, how did we, how did the original spirit of what Jesus was and taught get so lost in Christianity when it was institutionalized? He explains that in Israel, Jesus offered an experience. Then it moved to Greece, and it became a philosophy. Then in Rome, it became organized religion. And then it moved throughout Europe and became a culture. And then it moved to America, and it became a business. When church becomes a business, you need to market it. When church becomes a business, you're in competition with the church just down the street. That wasn't God's desire. That's not why he sent Jesus here on earth, that we compete with each other. He put Christ here on earth, that we would be saved, and then that we would co-mission with him in order for us to save others. He went on to say, Richard Rohr, that we looked to different places for our authority and gave it to emperors and kings instead of to the gospel while pretending that Jesus is Lord. And with each of these iterations, it became above criticism. And yet, even inside these permutations, grace flowed, and there emerged humble, loving people. The gospel never stopped converting pure hearts, but without bringing a pure heart, nothing much good can happen. So I guess I'm here today just to declare that God has a plan. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, I'm going to close here. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God has a plan. His plan is that he has gifted you with the Holy Spirit. And whether you speak in tongues, interpret tongues, have a word of prophecy, whether you have a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, whether you can discern spirits, whether you have faith, miracles, or healing, 
irrespective, whatever that gift is, He wants that gift given. Whether we're just a repository for the love of God, He wants you to share that love. Whether you've got something to give, He wants you to give that something to someone else. No wonder Paul bowed the knee as a Pharisee of the Pharisees to this amazing revelation that we, the Gentiles, would be ushered into the family of God. And listen, had Satan known this, he would never have killed Jesus. So, Christ in one, I exhort you today, know what he's deposited within you. Be willing to hold that and give God thanks. Be willing to come into the sanctuary and find belonging with the family of God. And then be prepared. Be prepared to get out there with faith and just share your love with someone else. Just share your love with someone else. I want to pray. Father God, we thank you that you are a God who has a plan. That from the very start of time, you knew that we would be in your family. Our names were known to you. And Father, we just thank you that as we come here and give our lives to you, you would continue to give us the experience of knowing you, Father, that we wouldn't find ourselves trying to contain you in a small part of our life, but that, God, we would, we would run into the water, we would run into the fountain of life, and we would say, fill us up, Lord, fill us up. Show yourself to us. God, we ask that you would use us as instruments of your Holy Spirit to be able to go into every place in this world. Give us courage, Father, where we lack it. Give us strength where we feel we're weak. Give us power, God, to see your Spirit that's in us outflow into someone else, and that the words that we speak, Lord, you would bless and impart life to someone else. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.